Alright, so I'm currently a few episodes into Cowboy Bebop, and I want to do an analysis on one of the more striking initial episodes I've seen with Session 5, Ballad of the Fallen Angels. As one of the great titans of 90s anime, Cowboy Bebop makes a striking composition, existing in the middle ground between the western genre of old and the new space age of science fiction. And both genres can be quiet and comfortable, measured and contemplative in their deliberate storytelling choices and character motivations, both can be loud, conquering worlds of fast-paced action, a vessel through which the shoot-first, ask-questions-later mentality can thrive. Both settings depicted are large expanses, endless harsh lands not bounded simply by the construct of the law, and both portray the world their stories take place in as being ruled by masculine, domineering men who display characteristics of bravado and machismo. The cowboy and the space ranger are inevitably linked in both the American frontier and the final one, because both exist in worlds where no matter the inherent linguistic differences between cowboys and Indians or extraterrestrial intergalactic species and races, the universal language spoken by all is violence. Bebop is a product of these two worlds, and as a result, it maintains this identity of somehow both basking in its over-the-top exaggerated violence, but also meditating in its quiet moments of isolationism. Spike Spiegel's entire identity is crafted under the guise of traversing these two worlds. He is another representation of the smooth-talking cowboy with a sordid past, hanging onto old ideals of masculinity and showmanship as defining character traits. And I think Ballad of the Fallen Angels provides insight into this common trope parallels in both Western and space opera, this idea of the old catching up with the new, the cost of escaping one's past. The past is an obstacle that even the most stoic and non-emotive characters must face because it inherently defines why they are so stoic and non-emotive, that being worn as an almost proverbial mask. In an attempt to escape the traumatic events of their past or the characteristics about them that once defined them, they are hardened into a new persona, someone who can march on despite the afflictions of yesterday. I think this ties into the trope of unfinished business as well. Our character is both running away from the demons of their past and reconciling with having to face them to conquer their inner turmoil. In the episode, Mao Yun Rai, head of the Red Dragon Crime Syndicate and former mentor to Spike, is killed by Vicious, another one of his former students and a former partner of Spike. Spike sets out to avenge Mao's death by killing Vicious. A thing to note about Spike in this instance, and many character instances, is how his bullheaded nature compels him towards his goals. As a bounty hunter, he is often driven towards the bottom line, how much a target he's going after can give him, how much they're worth. But with Vicious and Mao, we witness the first time he must face an enemy on the grounds of something personal, something rooted in his past he isn't so forthcoming to share. And there's something paralleled in Bebop that makes waves throughout its composite genres, tied to the idea of one's personal past catching up to their present, is the concept of unfinished business I mentioned earlier. These men of violence are just as capable of holding guns as holding vendettas and grudges, and it seems they almost revel in having to close the loop, reassert themselves on a path that in one way or another haunts them. I say almost because I think there's something character-defining in the idea of having to chase one's past ghosts. There's a cyclical nature that stretches from having a sordid past and constantly chasing it, because as soon as the loop is truly closed, when the hero's internal questions are finally answered, that's when they have to perform a metamorphosis, changing their central identity. When having a complicated past of unanswered questions is deeply woven into your own identity and sense of self, there is a level of true soul-searching that must be done in order to reshape who you are, your true essence behind the facade. But often, the cowboy or space ranger doesn't even truly understand the depth to what they are embarking on. They understand their reality, at least at first, skin deep. 
They operate under the guise of power struggles, wars on the grounds of masculine pride. They practice and prepare for moments when their strength, their power, can be tested. Situations that result in either total domination over the opponent or certain death. There is no middle ground. Spike understands this. He prepares diligently, stockpiling weapons and explosives before preparing for battle. I think there's something to the fact that he also chooses to face his enemy alone. Not only is vengeance something he must seek, but it's something so internally personal, so based on his ideals passed from the cowboys of antiquity to space cowboys, that it would be an assassination of his character, of everything he holds dear, to have any semblance of help or backup. This speaks to the sense of isolationism in the genre. The Space Ranger prides themselves on doing things alone, and Spike is no different. This desire to complete tasks solo comes from his bullheaded stubbornness. He takes pride in being a show-off, while feigning outwardly that he does it out of duty or purpose or some moral code. I talked before about how the cowboy archetype is inherently responsible for this phenomena. The sordid past, the quest to right his wrongs, the closing of an open loop. But what I also find fascinating about how isolationism echoes throughout the piece is in the landscape, the setting. The western genre often stresses the harshness of one's circumstances, evading desolate landscapes of deserts and mountains, arid climates devoid of water. The landscape plays a crucial role in portraying the mythic vision of the American West. But sci-fi is often different. It asks us to expand our understanding of what we deem the realm of the possible. And the harshness of one's circumstances only extend as far across the galaxy as one might reach. When said cowboy is transported generations into the future with the same sensibilities born of harsh desolation and singular threats, they have to become adaptable to the expanse, become privy to the dangers that exist in all corners of space. But the thing the two genres share, and Bebop so far seems to be a culprit of this, is that as a result of this male-controlled world and narrative, the constructed worlds treat women often as accessories rather than fully fleshed out characters. The recurring trope of the damsel in distress, specifically in this episode, speaks to that. Character choices that can be considered problematic, like the over-sexualization of Faye. I'm still early into the series so I won't hold out hope entirely, but I find it interesting that even in a setting so advanced and fantastical, the force of domineering masculine control still rules above all. The narrative is shaped through the male lens, sometimes to the point where women included in the stories seem almost parodic. An example of how the old cowboy ideals still seem to operate the same functionally in a futuristic era. For better or for worse, it's men like Spike, so imbued by the call of duty, so fixated on old truths, old beliefs of toughness, that only they get to really play ball. Bounty hunters are the new cowboys, vigilantes, ne'er-do-wells, all vying to be king of the hill all move towards a new incentive for violence, one that somewhat unfortunately can't help but mirror the old. Mime Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ao Akinbade. To subscribe, look for Mime Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, Follow Mind Fear Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.